Amen. Well, good morning. Happy New Year. It's good, isn't it? Isn't a new year good? I love new things so much. When I get a new tube of toothpaste, I like think about it all night. Like I can't wait to get up in the morning and brush my teeth like with this new. I love new things so much. And uh, I just rejoice in this new year. And uh, rejoice that you're here today. I think that means something. I think it means something that on the first Sunday of the year, I know I say New Year's and it feels like it was forever ago because it was Monday, right? And it feels like, well, that's a, that was a year ago already, right? But here on this first Sunday of the new year that you're here in church, I think that says, hey, this is who I want to be in this new year. This is where I want to be. I want to hear from you, Lord. I want to follow after you. And I'm just so thankful that you are here today. I know some of you know that my grandfather passed away this week. And this was a difficult week to communicate. So if you didn't know, but if you did, I really appreciate your prayers. And for us and for our family, he was 91 and he knew the Lord. And it was time for him to go. But it's always a challenge. And I had the opportunity this week to fly down to Alabama and be with my mom and to be there for the services. And, you know, there was a big crowd of people. My grandfather was very loved man by his church by the veteran community. He was a, a Korean War uh, veteran, and, and so uh, certainly crowds. But there was also that time, uh, you know, if, if you've been through that, where you're alone in the chapel, you know, that people are moving, and you just end up there alone, and my grandfather is there, and the, the casket is there, and, and I just had that opportunity to be there with him. And, and in that moment, just thinking about the Lord and thinking about where he is, and it just washed over me again how much I believe in Jesus. And I don't know if that, that resonates with you. If you've been through that, maybe you, you know what I'm talking about. But it was just like, man, I just, I, I, I do, I believe this. And I have peace in this. And, and it's just a real peace. And, and we go to the, to the graveside and, and, and we're burying my grandfather. And, and I, didn't, I didn't know, I, through the mix of everything, I didn't know exactly where he was going to be buried. And, and we go and we're there in, in the mix of everything. And I sit down in that little green chair you know that green chair? I've been so many people there sitting in the green chair, but this was my time to sit in the green chair. And I look up, and, and I see that they're burying my grandfather right next to my father. And, and I didn't know it until that moment. And I look, and I see my father's marker, and, and I see my grandfather there. And I just had this, this moment. And, and, I, and I've, I've got an hour-long sermon, and I've got all this, and I can't tell you this whole story. That was a joke about the hour-long sermon. Um, <laughs> But just in that moment, just, it just really got me to a place of reflecting on my life. You know, I mean, here are these two, these two men, and, and, uh, and, the, and I can't tell you the whole story, but it brought me back to you. It brought me back to how much I love you and how much I love just pouring my life. I hope that I add value to you. I hope that I encourage you in your pursuit of the Lord. And it just brought me back to, to even this moment of saying, man, I, I'm, I'm glad I get the opportunity to be here and to speak into you. And uh, so, you know, thank you for your prayers this week. God is faithful. Amen. And we are excited to jump into a new year. I love new things. I, I love uh, the fact that, you know, that there are, that when something's new, it just really just gives me a lot of excitement. And I was ready. I was ready for this day. I was ready for this sermon. And I, uh, you know, I've been planning and I'm a, I'm a planner and I was thinking about this day and I was ready to hit you with it. Like, I, was, I had plans for you, too. You might not even realize it, but I had plans. And we were going to hit new things, and we were going to hit challenges, and you want to change something, and let's talk about it, and let's get into it, and let's have a series about that. And, you know, after Christmas, you kind of settle in. You know, I, you, you survive, right, until Christmas Day, and you kind of get there. And then there's that, hopefully, a moment to sort of take a deep breath. I know you guys had to go back to work on the 26th, but some of us got to take a breath, and, and uh, just in praying about today and about this series, and, and just hearing the Lord say, no, that's not where we're going. 
That's not where I want our people to, where, where, we want, where I want my people to go. It's not into just, hey, it's, it's January 7th of 2024, it's that new year, and we're just going to jump in, and we're going to get something new. It's not that. But he reminded me of something that he said to me many years ago. In fact, I think it was 10 years ago that the Lord talked to me about this idea of maintenance and just the sacredness of maintenance. And, and you know, that, that, that sounds uh, uh, weird. I get it. But, you know, there's something to be said for appreciating what you have. There's something to be said for thinking about those things that God has placed in your life. Some of those things are foundational things. And, you know, when we stop and when we do maintenance on things that we already have, those things are able to be stronger foundations. They're able to carry us forward, whether it's maintenance on a vehicle or maintenance on your house. You know, I think about a good example for me is my marriage. You know, my marriage is a foundational thing in my life. And if I don't do maintenance on my relationship, you know, Michelle and I kind of form a nucleus of of everything else in my life uh, revolves around that. And if it's not good... Then, then maybe I get something new in my life and I don't get the benefit of it because that foundation, you know, I mean, if we're arguing, if there's tension with us, I'm not going to enjoy. I can pray something in and get a blessing, but if the foundation isn't there, am I really going to get to enjoy it? And, and so there's a sacredness in that maintenance. I, I think about my marriage. I think about, you know, being self-reflective and, and thinking about my own thoughts and actions and thinking about our goals and my goals and our communication and friction points. And have I stopped and done just maintenance on my, my relationship with my wife and so many other areas of our lives that need maintenance? And maybe stopping before we look ahead and say, oh, I want all the new things. I want all this stuff. Oh, bring it on. New jobs, new money, new uh, stuff. Before we do that, to sit back and say this, what are your life's important foundational elements? And what does it mean to do maintenance on those things in this season? What what are the things that form a foundation for you? And, And you just need to take a step back and just say, what does it mean to maintain those things right now? How do I change the oil on that? How do I get new wipers on that? And hopefully, you know, as Christians, I mean, you're here on the first Sunday uh, of 2024, so you're, we're, we're followers of Jesus. And as followers of Jesus, what does it mean to do maintenance on our relationship with the Lord? To sit back and to say, before we keep praying and keep crying out and saying, God, bring me new, bring me more insights, bring me more teaching, bring me more all this, what does it mean to step back and to say, God, how do I, how do I, how do I change the tires on my relationship with the Lord. You know, I've got, I've got a friend, so I was able to get this. And this is, a, uh, this is an inspection sticker. I, I can't see. I've got to peel it gently because he kind of wants it back. I've got to figure it out. And this is, this is a valuable one because we've gone to two-year inspection stickers. And so here's a, here's a nice green one that you can get and immediately after service for just the right price. Um, and it says, it says 2026 on it, right? I mean, woo, that's cool. What's the inspection sticker like on my, on my spiritual walk with God? Like, have I, been, have I checked it out? Like, like, when's the last time, right? Like, if there was a sticker on my walk with Jesus, when's the last time that I checked the oil? <laughs> when's the last time I kicked the tires? When's the last time I checked it out? What would it mean for us to, to say, you know what, I'm just going to take this month and I'm just going to do, I'm just going to check in. I'm just going to do some maintenance here. Not going to add any new things. Just want to look at the maintenance. What would it mean every time you see one of these green stickers now going down the road and you look and you say, oh, that person got a new two-year sticker. Where's my walk with Jesus? Where's my walk with the Lord? And so this month, instead of the new thing, 
I want us to just take a step back. I want us to just think about doing some maintenance. Maintenance on our relationship with the Lord. Checking in and seeing where we're at. So I want to begin, I want to read you a few scriptures here, and, and I'm going to read you just, I think there's one verse, and then three verses, and then one verse, and my hope is that when I read you a verse, like Luke chapter 5 and verse 16, I, I'm reading it to you with the assumption that you have a sense of what Luke chapter 5 says, and if you don't, if I read you Luke 5, 16, and you have no clue the context, that this week, you'll say, you know what, I need to go back and I need to read it. I need to read Luke 5. I need to make sure. I need to check my pastor. Because, I mean, I make a commitment to you that I won't read you Luke chapter 5 and verse 16 without saying that I know the context of Luke 5, 16. I know how it fits in the chapter. I know how that chapter fits in the book of Luke. I know how Luke fits in the New Testament. I know how the New Testament fits with the Old Testament. And I know how the whole thing comes together, all from Luke 5, 16. And, and so if, you read, if I read this verse to you and you say, I don't, that just is floating out in space for me then maybe that's a, a little bit of encouragement this week to say, you know what, I'm just going to go read Luke 5. I'm just going to check my pastor, right? I'm just going to follow along. So Luke chapter 5 and verse 16, and then we're going to just go backwards, Mark, and then a verse from Matthew. Luke 5, 16 says this, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Then in Mark chapter 6, verse 30 through 32, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught, then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9, it says this. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let's pray together. God, we rejoice in this place. We rejoice in who you are. We rejoice that it is you that is leading us into this new year. It is you that is leading us day by day. Lord, we rejoice in Jesus and all that he means to us. We rejoice in the voice of your Holy Spirit that leads and guides us. We rejoice in your scriptures, God, that you've given to us as a gift to guide us, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us. Help us, God, to hear you, to follow you. That is our heart's desire. Lead us, Lord. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So I was flying this week, and I was flying down to Huntsville, Alabama. And if you go anywhere in the south, you know you have to go through Atlanta. And uh, so I'm in Atlanta Airport waiting on a connecting flight, and I've got a little bit of a layover. And it's going to be a packed flight. The flight itself is actually 32 minutes long. Uh, so it's like you're up and you're down. But, man, it's packed. All these people are going, and we're in the gate area waiting uh, for the flight. And this Middle Eastern-looking man gets up, and he takes off his sweatshirt, so he just has this white shirt on underneath, and he gets this little special bag, and he unzips the bag, and he pulls out this, this shawl, and he begins to hold it up, and he kisses it, and he begins to wrap it around him, and as he does, he kisses it, and he wraps it, and he puts it on his head, and uh, he reaches in the special bag, and he pulls out a little black box, and he takes that black box, and he puts it on his arm, and he ties it with a leather band and brings that leather band down his arm. He gets another black box and does the same on the other side. I want to guarantee you that we, he had everyone's attention, all right? Um, we're about to get on a plane, this Middle Eastern man, and, and he's, he's kissing things, and he's doing all these things. And you're like, Pastor, what are you, what are you saying right now? And I'm, I'm just telling you the truth, Okay. He had everyone's attention. He takes a black box and he puts it on his head and he wraps it around there. And then he goes to pray. And when he goes to pray is the first time I get a glimpse of the yarmulke on the top of his head. And I see that he's a Jewish guy. 
and that he's going to pray right there. But I want to tell you, he had everyone's attention in that moment. And when I saw that yarmulke, and when I saw all those things that he had done right there in that moment, I had a thought, right? I mean, because like I said, he had my attention. He had all of our attention, okay? We're about to get on this plane. And my thought was, oh, I see he's a Jewish guy. Look, this is exactly what Jesus was talking about. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 6. This is what was in my head and in my heart. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners and the airplane gates to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you openly. And man, this scripture was in my head and in my heart, and I had the most self-righteous moment right there just looking at this guy. He doesn't know his Messiah is Jesus, and, and here he is praying publicly just like Jesus said. And when I paused in my thoughts to take a breath, the Holy Spirit was there. And the Holy Spirit said, what about you? You were so busy this morning getting packed up and making sure that you made your flight and making sure that you got to where you were supposed to be. All you did was just nod at the Lord in your thoughts, and then you ran out the door. And before you critique this guy, who maybe is right and maybe is wrong on some things, why don't you stop and think about his commitment and the fact that he's got a little special bag he carries everywhere and that he's not embarrassed to stand up in the middle of this room full of people that he's obviously going to make nervous before we get on a flight and to pray. And the Holy Spirit turned it right back on me and said, before you <laughs> criticize all of these things, where are you at? Where is your level of urgency in talking to me? And I think that that question fits for not only for me, although certainly for me, but for all of us. Where is our level of urgency in talking to the Lord? How would you describe the level of urgency in your life as it relates to prayer and talking to the Lord? And this is a very important question because this is important because our sense of urgency related to prayer is the best gauge of our sense of self-sufficiency. You see, if I have no urgent desire to pray, it means I'm pretty sure I can handle all of these things on my own. You know, right, when, when you get bad news, when something comes and it's overwhelming and you start to feel out of your depth, what do you do? You're like, we got to pray about this. What are you saying? What am I saying? What are we saying? What we're saying is, well, most of the time I feel like I can handle all this stuff on my own. Most of the time, God, I don't need you. When there's no sense of urgency, when there's no sense of dependence in us day by day, then what we're saying is, God, I'm good. I can handle this on my own. We need to see, and the scriptures are so plain with us, that prayerlessness is an act of pride. Prayerlessness says, I've got this. I'm good. I'm good on my own. And, and shows a lack of dependency on, uh, on God to lead us and to guide us, a lack of dependency for his wisdom. And it puts God in a really awkward spot because God loves you. He showed that by sending his son to die for you. I mean, what more could he, could he demonstrate his love for you? He wants to bless you. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. But what happens when God blesses someone who's prayerless? What are we going to think? 
I mean, what are, what's left to think? If God pours out a blessing on you, he opens a door, he does something great for you, right? And, and you haven't prayed about it, you haven't talked to him about it, and he blesses you, what are you going to think? The only thing that you could think, you are awesome. You're going to think, I'm incredible. Man, I've made some great decisions, and I've opened these doors, I've lived you know, my life, I've done my things, and man, I am great. You're going to think, I'm lucky, you know? I mean, man, I just lived a charmed life. I, just, I didn't really, you know, I just going down the way and boom, here's this blessing, right? Man, I'm just a lucky, lucky person. You're going to think that you can trust your instincts. You're going to think, you know what? I've got these instincts and I just follow along with my thoughts and what seems good to me and look where it landed me. I am awesome. That's the only thing you can think. It's the only thing that makes logical sense. And we paint God into a corner with prayerlessness by saying, God, if you bless me, you're going to feed my pride even more. I'm going to think I'm even better than I already think I am. You, you, can, you, know, you and I can talk and we can tell everybody around us, oh, I, you know, and, and have this modesty about us and be like, oh, I know I'm nothing. I know all of this. But the truth is, if you're not praying, you think you're awesome. If I'm not praying, I, I mean, I, I'm saying, God, I can handle it on my own. And when God blesses us, pours something out on us, all it can do is feed that. Can God trust you and me with blessings? Are you trustworthy with blessings? Our trustworthiness with the blessing of God is defined by our prayer life. When I'm praying and when I'm relying on him, it frees God up to say you are trustworthy for me to bless you, to provide for you, to, to, to open doors for you, and to lead you because I see you're dependent on me and will see that it's my hand at work in your life. Every good gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Amen. That was in synchronicity over there. Did you hear that? That was awesome. I think, was that Pastor Chris and Pastor Sam? Uh, yeah, over here. That's great. You know, in our prayer life, it, it, it's anchored and it flows out of our understanding of who God is. You know, if you think God is your boss, if you view God as your boss, you're going to try to control him and manipulate him. You're going to think that your words matter more than anything. If I can just pray the right things in the right ways, I can control him. When you think God is your boss and he's, in, and he's the one that, you know, he just holds all the cards and he doesn't love you and there's no relationship, then you're going to pray when things are bad and you're not going to pray when things are good. I mean, that's the pattern, right, we fall into. When you think God is the boss and, and he's just out to dictate to you, then when things go really bad, then you're going to be like, oh, God, and you're going to pray all the time. But when everything's going okay, you're going to settle in. You're going to be like, I got this. It's all right. I'm good. I don't need the boss right now. When God is your father and your friend, things are different. Uh, I, you know, there's still an ebb and flow in prayer. You know, I mean, I've got good friends, and there's times when I really talk to them a lot, and there's times when I don't. I'm going to say something to you, and, and you might, you might, if you've got anything to throw, you might be tempted to throw it, but hear me out, okay? I read you Luke 5, 16 earlier, and it says, Jesus did this often. Do you know what word could have been there? Daily. Ooh, I don't know. I, don't, I grew up, and they told me I was going to hell if I didn't pray every day, right? <laughs> Is it helpful to pray every day? Absolutely. Do I have time sometimes? I mean, does life just smack me in the face to wake me up in the morning and just, just carry me through and throw me down in the bed at night? And, uh, and I, I mean, does that happen some days? And then I look back and you think God's up in heaven like, oh, I'm not going to bless them. They didn't pray today. Is that a relationship? I mean, no. But, 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 what, is it, but, but what does it say? When, when I have a friend in God, a father in God, I, I come to him, I talk to him, I come to him because I enjoy it. 
I come to him because I like it. I like to tell him the stuff that's going on. I, I like, and it flows in a different way. The words don't matter. They know my heart, you know? Like when I'm sitting telling a story around the dinner table, it's a lot different than standing up here and telling a story to you guys. Some of you are new. You don't know me, right? If I say the wrong thing, you'll be like, I ain't coming back next week, right? Uh, or whatever. But when I'm around the table, you know, I can say it and I can fix it and I can whatever and I can make jokes and we can do the things, you know? It's different. And when my prayer life flows out of God as my friend and as my father, I speak to him like I would my father. I'm respectful, but, man, he loves me. We have a relationship. We talk together. And it, and it just flows differently than if he is my boss. And Jesus says this exact thing. He says that your approach to God and who you view God as is the most important thing. You see, we, we talk about prayer, and this, and this whole message is, is really coming from a place of being a pastor for so long and people coming to me and saying, I don't know how to pray, right? And, and it's cool because the disciples came to Jesus and they're like, teach me how to pray, which I think is one of the most incredible and overlooked things. They saw Jesus raise people from the dead. They saw people. They saw Jesus heal lepers. They saw Jesus do all of these things. And nowhere is it recorded that they came to him and they said, can you teach me how to raise somebody from the dead? I mean, seriously, like if that was the one thing you got from Jesus, right, that would be like, wouldn't you just go into a new place like you'd go to the funeral home, wouldn't you? And you would be like, watch this. <laughs> Raise them from the dead, and then, hey, you're golden. Anything you say or do from that point, they're like, oh, so why not say, Jesus, teach me how to raise somebody from the dead? It's because Jesus often withdrew to prayer, and they saw this as the source of power in his life. They knew that all the things that Jesus did flowed out of this one thing. So they said, Jesus, teach me how to pray. And when, when they say that there in, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus responds, and, and these are familiar passages, right? These are familiar verses. He responds and says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, does this mean that we've got magic words? No, because we're Christians. And as Christians, we don't get magic words. There's not magic phrases. There's not a magic word that I say this in abracadabra, right? Hocus pocus. It's all done, okay? It's not how it works. So does this mean I have to start every prayer with, you know, Heavenly Father and, or this? No, that's not what Jesus is saying. He do, we, we do not have magic words as Christians. What he's saying is the idea. What he's communicating is you need to begin your prayer. You need to come before the Lord acknowledging who God is. And this is the key. This is the key to the whole thing. In fact, if you got up and left right now, you would have most of the whole thing is in this right here. It's acknowledging who God is because everything else flows out of that. If, if I understand who God is, if I understand how powerful he is, if I understand how awesome he is and great he is, that he's my creator and sustainer, and that he's so powerful and created the universe, yet he still knows me and loves me, if I understand that, that anchors everything else in my life because he's trustworthy because he's good because he's awesome and what does Jesus say Jesus says you need to begin by first of all understanding who God is hallowed be thy name holy is his name holy means other like you are so other and name always means plan and purpose and character God your your plan your purpose your character it's so other you are so huge you are so amazing you are holy God, you are mighty. This is where we are anchored. This is what it means to pray. This is what it means to pray, to say, God, I know who you 
are. When we appreciate who God is, then it means more to us that he loves us. When I recognize how powerful he is, that he could do anything, and yet he chose to love me. When I recognize how awesome and, and just mighty he is, the fact that I can come boldly before the throne of grace, it means so much more. And it becomes an anchor for my life. It becomes an anchor for my identity and for my peace. Because what flows out of this? What flows out of acknowledging who God is? Jesus says this. This is the next line in the prayer when he teaches them how to pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, when we recognize who God is, that gives us peace enough to trust him. How many of you have ever taught somebody how to drive? Like you've had somebody in your life, they turned 15, they turned 16, and you were teaching them how to drive, right? And when you got in the car and you got in the passenger side and they got in the driver's side, like, did you just look at them and say, your will be done? <laughs> no. In fact, you were barely in the passenger seat. You were mostly still half in the driver's seat. You kind of had a hand hovering on the steering wheel. I remember one time with Kate, I literally grabbed her leg and pulled it off the gas. And I was like, no, 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 not thy will be done. Why? I don't trust you. I don't trust you. This is your first time with a 2,000-pound thing making it go vroom, vroom. I don't trust you, right? This is not a thy will be done situation. But now it's been a few years. And, and, and ben, will, ben will get me in the car, and, and he'll say, can I put my music on? And, I, and you know, if we have a couple-hour drive, and I'll say, absolutely, you can put whatever you want on, and I'll go to sleep. <laughs> and that's because, man, I've got three kids now that they've been driving for a while. They're all good drivers, and I trust them. And I'm like, your will be done. And there's peace there, right? Because I trust them. And, and Jesus says, I want you to begin by, by recognizing who God is, that he's so powerful, and yet he loves you. And what does that free you to do? It frees you to say, you know what, God? I trust you. Your will be done. Your will be done here. Lord, I have all of these ideas. I have all of these thoughts. I have everything that I think and, and all of that. And you know what? You're so incredible that maybe we can get to that later. Maybe we can get to my thoughts later. Because I'm pretty sure you know more than I know. I'm pretty sure you're, you know what? Your will be done. Not to say that that's going to make things easy. Jesus prayed your will be done, and, and, uh, and it cost him, and it'll cost us. It's still going to be hard through this life. It's a sinful, broken world, but he's trustworthy. And Jesus says to begin our prayers with acknowledging that God is trustworthy. Have you ever prayed about something, and you left more anxious about it than you, than you were before? And what do we do? We, we dive into prayer like there's a sense of urgency and I've got to pray about it. And oh no, this kid's going to you know, go to hell. And oh no, this job's going to be lost. And oh no. And I dive into prayer and I just come to God with just this fervency. And oh God, save my job. And oh God, do this. And oh God, do that. Amen. And then I get up and I'm more worried and I'm more anxious. Right? Am I, you're staring at me like I'm the only sinner in the room. Okay? Have you ever done that? Have you ever prayed and you got up and then you're like, so you're more anxious than before. And your thought is, well, prayer doesn't work, right? Like, and you know, your Christian friends who are so shallow and you say, you know, help me. And they're like, have you prayed about it? And you're like, yes, I've prayed about it. <laughs> and prayer doesn't work. Because I got in prayer and I rehearsed the problem and I thought about the problem so much and then I told God that if it didn't go this way then, then probably the whole world was going to end and I got up and I was so nervous. And, 
It's because Jesus says that's not how to pray. It's not that prayer doesn't work. It's that you're doing it wrong. How we do it is we first, we recognize who God is. It's out of who God is that it flows out. Your will be done. It fl- peace is what flows out of knowing who's in control of our lives. I was thinking about situations, and there's so many. You know, I've gotten to be old enough now that I recognize that I rarely am fully in control. I can't even think about a time that I've actually fully been in control, right? And I rarely know everything that's going on. I was thinking about these trips to Honduras. Right now I'm thinking about how I need to do more cardio. Um, (laughs) But I was thinking about these trips to Honduras, right? And we'll get back on the plane, and I'll find out stuff that I had no idea that was going on. Like I'm leading these trips to Honduras, and I'm trying to keep people alive. I'm trying to share Jesus, trying to do things. And we get back on the plane, and I, I see a little look, a little glance, and a little tension. And I'm like, what's going on? And I'll look at one of my leaders, and I'll be like, what's going on? And they'll say, well, he likes her, and she doesn't like him. And I'm like, I had no idea. I was just trying to keep people alive and tell people about Jesus. Or I'll say, what's going on with, what's going on with her? And they're like, well, she likes him. And she likes him, and her best friend was rooming with girl number one. And so there's all this tension, and he doesn't know which of the two he likes, and da 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 da. And I was like, I had no idea. I mean, I don't verbalize it, I don't care. But, it, but in that moment, like I'm thinking, like I, I had no idea. Like, I had no idea any of this is going on. Apparently, these, these little, uh, you know, soap operas are unfolding behind the scenes of the mission trip, you know, the whole week, you know? And I literally have no idea what's happening. But I want to tell you that that's just a tiny slice of my life. When I realize, when I step back and I look, usually I am not in control, and almost always I have no idea the full story of what's going on, even in my own life. Can I get an amen? Has anybody lived long enough to recognize that that is true? So how foolish am I, how foolish are we to jump into prayer with the almighty God and say, this is how I think you ought to do it. I don't even know what's going on. I'm not even in control at all. And I come in and you know what? Instead of beginning my prayers with God, this is what I think is best. (laughs) I mean, you got to know that he created us to get a laugh every once in a while, right? God, this is what I think. Instead of that, I come in, my Father in heaven, mighty, all-knowing God. You know everything, and you are in control. Your will be done. And there's a peace there. And then then what, what comes next? What comes next? Jesus says this. These things flow out of that. Give us today our day. Then I get to start asking for stuff, right? But it's in this framework of understanding that I don't know everything, I'm not in control, but he is and he loves me. Your will be done. But if you, if you care what I want, uh, uh, bread would be good. <laughs> like, uh, this is what, this is, these are my thoughts. God, if you could help me in my relationships, forgive me my debts as I've forgiven my debtors. God, I, I just need some help. I mean, there's these people and, they're, and people are hard. And I, help me in my relationships. God, spiritually, there's these things happening, right? Um, lead me not into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. Spiritually, God, I need you. I need you to help me. And where does it all flow out of? Like, I get to ask for things, and I get to talk to him about what's going on with me and, and my thoughts and what I want, but where does it all flow out of? Jesus, l- listen, if you read all the red letters, you're going to realize that Jesus came to tell us God is your father. He's in control. 
let that flow, let that peace just flow out. And you know what you're going to, you know what you need when you recognize that? You need a few times, maybe a few times a day, certainly a few times a week to just pull away and get alone with God and just remember that he's the one in control and you're not. Just to remember that he knows all the things and you don't. And just to allow that peace to flow into you. And so what do we see in Jesus' life? And I, I want to give you a list of things that we see in Jesus' life because, listen, it's 2024 and, and uh, we, we keep confessing to be followers of Jesus. If, if we're followers of Jesus, we need to do the things Jesus did. Does that make sense a little bit? Yes? Yes? Okay. Jesus, it says, we read this scripture, Luke 5, 16, that regularly he prayed. Do not allow a, a false guilt to get on you, and it's like, oh, well, I didn't pray today, and oh, no, God hates me. If you've got a good friend that you didn't talk to today, the next time you talk to him, they're like, hey, man, I missed you. Like, what's going on, man? Things must be crazy. Yeah, they are, let me tell you. Right? Regularly he prayed. Luke 4, we see Jesus is preparing for ministry, and what does he do? He withdraws and prays for 40 days and, 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 and prays to God and spends that time with the Lord. Before he made an important decision, he chose the 12 disciples, and before he chooses the 12 disciples, what does he do? He pulls away and he prays in Luke chapter 6. He spends time with God before that decision. To recharge after hard work, we read this scripture because I think it's an important one, right? He, the disciples return from doing ministry. They're poured out. They're surrounded by people, right? And you're just peopled out. And Jesus is like, you know what? We don't have to keep peopling. All of my task-oriented people in the room where they were like, what? Huh? What is that? I thought that if I was going to be a Christian that I just had to be nice to everybody all the time and I just had to answer every phone call and every text and I just had to constantly be there and constantly be present. And oh, that's what it means. Oh, love one another. And oh, oh, you know, yes, love one another. But Jesus also said sometimes you're peopled out and you need to get away from that situation and withdraw and remember who God is and how much he loves you. Oh, did you hear it? Did you hear it? The task-oriented people, they were like, amen. If I say something for the people-oriented people, I get, ah, amen, right? <laughs> Jesus withdrew to pray through grief. His cousin John the Baptist was killed, and what does the Scripture say? He wanted to get away, and he wanted to pray. He needed some time with God to remember, because there's sometimes you lose somebody. John the Baptist was six months older than Jesus, had been a constant in Jesus' life, and he lost him. He lost that anchor. He needed to get away and remember who God was and that God was in control. In a time of distress in the Garden of Gethsemane facing the cross, what does Jesus do? He withdraws to pray. And he prays the Lord's Prayer, if you look at it. God, I know who you are, and you're in control. Your will be done. He, then he says what he, his thoughts, if the cup could pass from me. But if not, I know who you are, and you're in control, and your will be done. Amen. I want to share something with you. You know, today we're talking about prayer as maintenance. And you say, Pastor, I thought you said you weren't adding anything new to us. If prayer is new, you're in trouble. If you're driving a car and tires are new, a new concept to you, you've never had tires on your car, you're in trouble. I want to give you something really quickly because we're running out of time, all right? And I, I recognize that, okay? I can hear your stomachs growling, okay? So don't think I don't. I just want to give you something, and you may think that this is the cheesiest thing that you've ever heard, and that's fine. You might hate this. This is not a scripture. This is Bible adjacent, okay? But this is something that's helped me as we're talking about prayer. So I want to just give you these prayer hands, all right? 
give you prayer hands. And, and, and again, if you hate this, I'm sorry, I'm going to go fast, all right? But your left hand can remind you who to pray for. My prayer hands, my thumbs are closest to my heart. So my thumb reminds me, close to my heart, family and friends. I'm going to pray for my family and friends. My index finger, the index finger points the way, right? And so those are the leaders, the leaders of my nation, my boss. Remember, you should be praying for your boss. You should be praying for everyone you complain about. If you are complaining more than you're praying, then it's on you. It's not on them, okay? So my boss, I pray for anyone that's leading me, the president, the congressman, the leaders over me. My middle finger is my tallest finger, and it reminds me of those that have influence in the world. There are people on TikTok. There are uh, people, uh, there are actors and actresses, and we sit back, and we're Christians, right? And we're like, and they're doing things that we disagree with, and we're like, nah, 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 nah. that's fine. But if you're complaining more than you're praying, it's on you. And so my middle finger on my left hand reminds me to pray for those that have influence. My ring finger is my weakest finger, right? If you didn't know that, that's your weakest finger, and it reminds me to pray for those that are weak. For those that are sick, for those that, that are, are maybe their children and they can't defend themselves, maybe they're elderly and they're weak, maybe they're something's, uh, something situation in their life, they can't defend themselves, it reminds me to pray for them. My little finger on my left hand reminds me to pray for myself, right? I need, to, I need, to, I need, I need blessing, I need provision, I need guidance. And on my right hand, again, my right hand, my thumb is closest to my heart, my right hand reminds me what to pray for. My thumb reminds me, as it's close to my heart, that I need to pray for my heart and the heart of others. So are there any obstacles between me and you, God? Is there any sin? Is there any attitude? Is there something wrong in my heart? My index finger reminds me of what's number one. What's the priorities in my life? Today, God, will you show me and tell me what needs to be number one on my schedule? God, I have my schedule and my plan, but is there something that is more important than what I have? And we see that. My index finger reminds me. My tallest finger on my right hand reminds me of the influence that I have. And I can pray for my influence. And you realize that your attitudes and actions and words are going to influence people today, and you're going to point them to Jesus, or you're going to point them away from Jesus. And I pray and say, God, the people that see me today in my example, let me point them to Jesus. The weak finger on my right hand reminds me to pray for my relationships. Because you know, there's so many times in my relationships I want control. I want people to do what I want them to do, and I can't get that, you know. Maybe that's my personality, but... My, this finger reminds me to pray for my relationships, my spouse, my kids, the, my, the co-workers, the people in my life, my relationships, God help me. And this, this small finger on my right hand reminds me to pray for provision. You know what? I need God. I need you to provide. I need my daily bread. I need a, a job where I can, can earn a living. I mean, the money is, is what it is, but I need money sometimes. I need stuff. Do you know? I want to eat. All that. I'm, God provide for me. And, you know, this is from a pastor's heart who's had so many people say, Pastor, I don't even know how to pray. So you may be sitting there thinking that's the cheesiest thing I've ever heard. But maybe you just need a little bit of an outline, a little bit of a guide. And you come to God and you say, God, I don't know all the right words to say. God says, I don't care about all the right words. I created you to walk with you through this life. So if you get into praying and you're like, well, I don't have all the right words, God says, I don't care. You get in to pray and your mind starts wandering off about the grocery list and this person you had an argument with and the stuff you got to do. God says, that's great. I want to go with you there. Let me go with you there. I'll remind you what to get at the grocery store. Really? I'll tell you what you ought to say to this person that you're going to encounter tomorrow. I'll tell you what to do in that situation. We come to pray sometimes and we're like, well, I got this spiritual thing and I got to pray this. And then I got, you know, my real life. And God is like, can I get out of this box? I'd like to walk with you. I created you to walk with you through your real life. And you might feel cheesy. You go in with a list to God. 
But I want to ask you this. Have you ever texted somebody and you said, remind me to tell you later what Brian did at work today? He almost got fired. So Brian did something so stupendous that he almost got fired, but you know yourself. You might forget to tell your spouse when you get home. And you get home and your spouse says, what did Brian do today? And you're like, oh, I can't believe I almost forgot to tell you. This guy's an idiot. Let me tell you, right? And you're like, you sent a text to remember something that was so incredible. Sometimes we forget things. If you need a list to pray about, that's great. Take your list in there. Remember the things to to pray to the Lord. God wants to walk alongside us in prayer. The prayer elephant in the room is this. It's hard. I would much rather, uh uh-oh, I would much rather talk to somebody who I can see their facial expressions and I can hear audibly back from them. When I talk to God, I can't see him. I can't hear like an audible voice. And it's hard. I used to think when I was growing up that it was easy for pastors and special people. Like they just got in there and they just prayed and it was so easy for them and they just prayed for hours. And to be honest, they lied to me. And they made it seem like it was so easy. But I've gotten to talk to them now and I know it's hard for all of us. And the prayer elephant in the room is that is that it's hard to talk to somebody who doesn't speak audibly back and I can't see their face. But God knows that if he spoke audibly to us, it would overwhelm us. And he leaves us in a place where he leads us and he speaks quietly into our heart so that we have freedom to follow or freedom to not. And I hope that you realize who God is in your life and that there's a desire to get in his presence because if we follow Jesus instruction. It's going to lead us to a place of peace and grounding. God, I recognize who you are. That teaches me who I am, and it gives me peace, and it helps me. Can I pray for us? God, as we enter into this new year, Lord, we desire a deeper and and stronger relationship with you. So, Lord, I pray that you would lead us in prayer, that you would guide us, Father, that you would show us who you are, that you are mighty and full of love, full of grace. Lord, we rejoice in who you are. God, that you would bring us to a place of such confidence in who you are and of your great love that it would give us peace to say your will be done. And Lord, as we ask you for things and to give us guidance, Lord, that all of those things would be in submission to who you are and knowing, God, that you're trustworthy. And Lord, that you would lead us deeper into a relationship with you. God, show us the way. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, our, in just a moment, our prayer team is going, I want to just say this one last thing. And I realize it's late and I'm sorry and I owe you, I owe you some time. I'll give it back to you next week. We'll get out early next week. All right? <laughs> February the 20th is the day that our, our 40-day fast is going to begin. Easter's early this year and we fast for 40 days leading up to Easter. Our fast is just giving up something. We're not, not eating for 40 days if this is your first Sunday here. But on February the 20th, I just want to prepare you, okay? We're going to fast that day. And if you're able to fast that day, we're going to ask you to fast. You're going to hear more about this. But I don't want to surprise you with things. I want you to be thinking and praying. If you'll notice, when Jesus talked about prayer, he said, uh, our Father who is in heaven, he said, give us this day our daily bread. And so much of the prayer in the scriptures is is community-based. And we're going to spend our 40 days talking about community and praying together. And we're going to begin on the 20th with a day of fasting, if you're able to fast and willing to fast with us. And I just want to prepare you for that. As you still, you got weeks 
to, to think about it and uh, whatnot. But I just don't, I don't ever want to surprise you, so I love you. Let's stand together. Our prayer team is coming right now. If you would like to pray, uh, maybe you need to pray about praying. They would love to pray with you about praying this morning. If you want to come, even as we dismiss here, you want to pray with them. Can I encourage you one last thing? If anything I said today brought any conviction in your heart and you thought, man, that sounds right and I need to do that, you need to follow up on it. Because I'm going to tell you, most people don't change until tragedy. But it's wisdom that says, I hear the conviction of the Holy Spirit and I'm going to follow. God, I pray your peace on your people as they leave from this place. Give them peace that passes understanding, a peace that is so strong in their lives that people around them take notice. And they come and they say, what's different about you? Why do you always seem so grounded and at peace? And our answer will be, it's because I know my Father in heaven. He loves me and he's powerful. And he sent Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, for Jesus. I thank you for this testimony. And I pray your peace upon your people now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Peace be with you.